What makes you happy? Having fun? Hanging out with friends? Delicious food? Making money? Well, consider this. Psychologists have scientifically proven that one of the greatest contributing factors to overall happiness in your life is how much gratitude you show. Yeah. Think about that. Go ahead and marinate on it for a second. You can thank me later if you want. It'll make you feel better according to this study. You go ahead and click on it and read it if you want. Or you can keep watching because we read it and we thought it might be fun to test out for ourselves. We gathered a selection of volunteers to act as our subjects. First, we gave them a test. They didn't know what we were looking for, but it gave us a pretty good idea of their current level of happiness. We asked them to close their eyes and think of somebody who was really influential in their life, somebody who did something really amazing or important for them. We had them write down as much as they could about why this person was so important. Now, a lot of them thought at this point the experiment was over until we really put them on the spot and tried to get them to call that person and read what they wrote about them. Thank you, Jessica. We're going to have to have you call your mother. So who is that right person for you? The person is my sister, Erica. We're going to give Erica a call. <laughs> okay. Who'd you end up picking? friend of mine, uh, Craig Ains. Her name is Dora. My college accounting instructor. Really? Mm-hmm. Is this somebody you're still in touch with today? No, I'm assuming that he's passed on. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> great beyond. You up for it? Um, uh, yes. What would you say if we called up Dora? Oh, we can try, but she lives in Britain. In Britain? Oh, no, never by heart, dude. This is awful. That's fine. I don't know my mom's number by heart. If it's true that uh, those who are going on are looking down on us, maybe he read my shit is correct. Hey, sweetheart. Hey, how you doing? Um, yeah. You got a second? Where you at? In a hotel? I am. I'm in the hotel. Uh-huh. You scared me. We asked if I had no. a second or something's wrong. No. I'm on this, I'm on like this little TV show and they told me to talk about the person that influenced me the most and I picked you and then, and they're making uh-huh. me call you. They're making me call you. Oh, wonderful. Hi, you've reached Craig. I'm not here right now. At the tone, please record your message. Oh, come on. <laughs> Hello? Hi. Hi. Erica? It's me. All right, so I got to read you this paragraph. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, sweetheart. All right, the person that influenced me the most would be my mother, Marlo Dawson. She is a single mother of two. She is a very hard worker and dedicated to her family. Hey, Craig, this is Loie. This is going to be a funny little voicemail, so I hope you enjoy it. I'm so sorry for calling you at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I have to read this to you, okay? And you can't say anything or, I don't know. You can respond, but I probably will just keep going. <laughs> okay? Is everything okay? Yes, but I have to read this out loud to you. The person who has had the biggest impact on my life outside of Jesus Christ, who was responsible for my existence, was my college accounting instructor. He had a joy and enthusiasm for his job like no other teacher I have ever known. I love her to death, and she keeps me going with positive talk. She is a woman that knows what she wants and won't give up until it is achieved. Oh, it sounds good. I, I, I don't know. What, I'm not surprised because it's so beautiful. I, 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 I have... I have... 
say that this is wonderful. I first met Craig on an independent feature film set in Whitefish, Montana. I recently have been sending Craig a lot of positive thoughts as he suffered a series of health problems. Despite his medical problems, he's continued to work and take pleasure in the small things in life, like sitting quietly with, with his wife Janine on the porch. Erica is my older sister and my best friend. Sometimes it even feels like we are twins. She's my number one fan and my number one supporter. She makes me happy because despite all my mistakes and my decisions, she still loves me no matter what. Your friendship is everything. And you are, you are one of the most important person in my life. Even when she has a kid and many children, I will love her more than her kids. Okay, maybe not. I will never forget when she flew 3,000 miles at the drop of a phone call to save me from a breakup. I'm being blessed by having a son like you. I love you. Bye. <laughs> I don't know because they made me do it. <laughs> Thank you for picking up. Bye, sweetie. When they were done making those phone calls, they administered the same test they'd done at the beginning. What they found is for everybody who wrote a letter and made a phone call, there was a statistically remarkable impact on their level of happiness, some up to 90%. And those that it actually had the greatest impact on were not those who were the happiest when they came in. They were those who were in the lowest of places. And that's where this speaks to me, because I know many of you are coming to the end of a year that hasn't been just up and to the right. Some of you are heading into the Thanksgiving season and you go, Scott, I don't feel like being grateful. And that's where this idea first impacted me. It was 10 years ago that I walked down an aisle and got a diploma uh, from seminary. And uh, I graduated. It's a great picture, by the way. Um, <laughs> great smile. Uh, but I graduated in the middle of the worst recession in modern history. And uh, my church had 20% of people who were unemployed, even more who were underwater in their mortgage. Um, we'd all received salary cuts. Our church taken a huge budget cut. And, uh, and the prospects of finding a full-time job in the career I had just spent my whole life preparing for looked really pre pretty bleak. And so what I did is I started going out making applications. And it was a really frustrating year without really anything materializing. And in the spring of uh, 2010, I started working at Starbucks and a third job. And for 45 days, I didn't have a day off. Months went by before my wife and I would have the same day off because she worked Monday through Friday. I closed at Starbucks until midnight on Friday and Saturday. And I was back at church for my other job at 7 a.m. And it was a long, long period. And I got really discouraged. I was physically tired. I felt like my marriage was weakening because we were literally never together. We were like sheep, or we were like ships passing in the night. And, uh, and I, I just got so discouraged. And in the fall of 2010, I stumbled on a book written by a guy named Tim Sanders, who'd made a lot of success in the dot-com bubble of the late 90s, and who had been brought into faith by his grandmother. She'd been his, his spiritual parent, and she taught him about gratitude. And I read a sentence in his book, that changed my life. And it was this sentence, that gratitude 
is a muscle. And I said, a muscle? And he'd been talking about gratitude for a few pages, and I didn't really feel grateful. I didn't see a whole lot in my life that I could be grateful for. I know I should have been grateful for the three jobs, but I just was exhausted from the three jobs, if I can be honest. And, and, and I just felt so tired and so ungrateful. And Tim began to teach me that gratitude is not a feeling. It's not something you do when you feel like it. It's a muscle that you strengthen and you can experience gratitude even in a circumstance that you don't feel grateful for. And that's the essence of what I hope to talk to you about today. Not from a place on high as somebody whose life has always gone up and to the right, but share with you what I learned from that moment 10 years ago. And if there's one thing you take home from today, here's what I hope you take home. That gratitude doesn't change your circumstances. Gratitude changes your perspective on your circumstances. And there's a big difference. I can't promise you that if this year has been one of your hardest years, that if you start being grateful, all of a sudden everything's going to turn around. I can't promise you that all of a sudden your bank account is going to rise. You're going to get that job. That person is going to get well. That relationship is going to be mended. Gratitude and God do not promise that. And gratitude doesn't change your circumstances. The power of gratitude, the life-altering, transforming power of gratitude is that it changes your perspective on your circumstances. Now today, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to see how this idea, this teaching is all throughout the Bible. But I know some of you in this room are not believers in the Bible. You're here because you're exploring some things and just citing some Bible verses doesn't move you. And so I want to speak to you for the next couple minutes and not speak from the Bible, but speak from the lab coat. Because what's been fascinating is over the last 10 years, modern science and research have caught up to biblical truth. And there are four scientific discoveries about gratitude that I want to share with you today that have made a huge impact on me. The first one is this, that gratitude and stress cannot coexist inside of your brain. I'm not sure if you knew that, but gratitude and stress cannot be happening simultaneously in your brain. The area in your brain that is triggered, and they can tell this by modern neuroscience, that's triggered when you're stressed or you're grateful, is this area at the base of your brain, just above your brainstem, called your hypothalamus. And when people are in stress or people are practicing gratitude, they've put uh, electrodes and they've mapped where their brain lights been. What they found is that that area in your hypothalamus that releases cortisol when you're stressed, and that area that releases dopamine when you're grateful, is the exact same area. So if your brain is lighting up with gratitude, you literally can't be stressed at the same time. And if you're stressed and you're obsessing over what you're stressed over and you're being washed over by cortisol, you can't be grateful. So you can only experience one of those at one time. Literally, if you choose to be grateful, it will make it impossible for you to be flooded with stress. The second break that they discovered is that gratitude can improve the rhythm of your heart. The Institute for Heart Math has studied people who had a regular daily gratitude practice. And what they found is that not only the rhythm of their heart got better, but those who were wrestling with hypertension increased, experienced a decrease in their blood pressure tied to their gratitude practice. Number three, gratitude can decrease your pain level. People who were in a program of pain management who kept a daily gratitude practice experienced not only 
a decrease in their feeling of pain, but a decrease in their overall symptoms. And then finally, number four, gratitude can help you sleep better. Studies have shown that when you go to sleep and the last thing you do is you focus on what you're grateful for, you fall asleep faster, you stay asleep longer, and your quality of your sleep is better. Most of us know this from the opposite experience. When you focus on what you're stressed and worried about, it takes longer to fall asleep, you don't stay asleep as long, and your sleep is not as good. And that's why for me, when I read this, it was like a mind-blown moment. Because I'd known the Bible. I'm not a scientist by background. I mean, I, I got my, my last class of science in college, and I was like, thank God, no more of that, you know? But for me, what I found was that what the Bible had been teaching, science was now confirming. And that's what I want to do with the rest of our time today, is talk to you about the four fundamentals of biblical gratitude. Because I believe that we are all in need of a perspective change. Again, you're going to walk out today, and you're going to have the same circumstances that you were facing when you walked in. But you can have a different perspective on those circumstances because of what happens here today. And here's the first fundamental biblical gratitude. Our gratitude is not seasonal. Our gratitude is not seasonal, biblically speaking. Now, our culture's experience of gratitude is totally seasonal. We're we're entering into this season right now. We're in the month of November, which is the month in which it is encouraged and celebrated by our culture for us to be grateful and thankful. You'll see people talking about it on TV. You'll see trending articles on Facebook. You'll see encouragement even at your work to be grateful and to be thankful. And it'll last until this Thursday right here. About 6 p.m. That's when Walmart opens. And then what's funny is that when November ends, two things happen. We have this month of gratitude, and then when we go to December, two things happen. One, we give more of our money away than we do at any time of the year. December is the highest month of charitable giving. It is also the highest month for consumer spending. That's the reason why they call this day Black Friday, because it was the day traditionally when retailers went into the black. All their profits came from December, which is why they advertise to you so hard. They're looking out for your bonus, their bonus, not your family. So we finished December, and then when January comes, two more things happen. One, all the bills arrive for all the spending we did in December. And two, we get super discouraged because 92% of resolutions made on New Year's Day fail by January 31st. So in November, we are so grateful, we're so thankful, our hearts are so full of appreciation for all we have and all God's done, and within two months, we're broke and discouraged. And that's why, biblically speaking, gratitude is not a seasonal thing, because the seasonal experience of gratitude doesn't sustain perspective change. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5, we read this verse from... Paul, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you're here at church today and you go, Scott, I'm, I'm wrestling with what God's will is for my life. Well, there it is right there in black and white. God wants you to rejoice always, 
He wants you to pray without ceasing, and he wants you to give thanks in all circumstances. All. There's an old pastor's joke that the meaning in Greek of that word all is all. It's, it's literally everything. And there are some of us that we're really good at giving thanks in certain seasons, and we're really good at giving thanks in certain circumstances. But then when it's an uncomfortable circumstance or what seems like a season of struggle, we stop giving thanks. And that occasional habit doesn't change our perspective in a sustained way. Why? Because what we do occasionally doesn't change us, but what we do consistently does. What you do occasionally doesn't lead to sustained change. What you do consistently does. And most of us are far too short-sighted. We focus on today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, but that's basically it. But because we don't have a longer-term view, we only evaluate things in the short-term and the immediate. And if if you will practice gratitude for longer than a season, what you will find is the results last for longer than a season. I heard somebody once say that successful people do consistently what unsuccessful people do occasionally. And it's that consistency and that, that, that staying power that brings the change. And this is why Paul can say, give thanks in all circumstances, because his view of gratitude is not tied to circumstances, as we'll see later. And so if you go, Scott, well, I've, I've done the gratitude thing before, and it just didn't work. My, my guess is that you stopped when your circumstances didn't change. You stopped when it didn't change your circumstances You stopped when that disconnect happened between what you were thanking God for and what you were experiencing. And biblically speaking, our gratitude is not a seasonal thing. Number two, second reality or foundational piece of gratitude is that our gratitude is based on the goodness of God and his faithful love towards us. It's not based upon our circumstances. It's not based upon our feelings. It's based upon who God is. I said this is littered all throughout the Bible. I gave you a verse from 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament. If you go back to the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles, I know lots of you read there this week. It's a really riveting book that's super popular in the church today. But buried in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 16 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So the biblical foundation for gratitude is not our circumstances. It's not, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for my bonus is going to be big and my holiday season is going to be unstressful. It's give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. My circumstances may not be, but he's good. For his steadfast love endures forever. I may not be experiencing steadfast love from people, but his steadfast love endures forever. And if you hear that verse and you've been around the church, you go, Scott, that verse sounds familiar. I've heard it before. Yeah, it's all throughout the Bible. That same line here, this, this line right here in First Chronicles, it's repeated in Psalm 106, Psalm 107, Psalm 108, Psalm 118, and Psalm 136. The exact same phrase. So for those of you who don't like modern worship songs because they repeat too much, you would hate David. He'd be the worst worship leader you ever heard because he repeats the same thing over and over again. 
He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Your Bible there might say his, his uh, loving kindness, his faithful love. And this phrase right here, steadfast love, in the Hebrew is this word. It's the word hesed. I don't do it very well because I feel like I'm going to hock a loogie when I say it the right way. It's hesed, you know. Um, and, it, and it means steadfast love. It means God's covenant love, his faithful love. The way that God loves, that's hesed. One writer says that it's, it's the love that refuses not to love. That's the love that God loves us with. Not based on our performance, not initiated because we did something good, not, not based on some quality or character in us. No, it's who God is. His faithful, covenant, steadfast love to his people. And it isn't just that God has that as a characteristic of him. Like, I, I, you know, God is this and God is that. No, it's his, his essence. Let me express it this way to you. The goodness and steadfast love of God is not an attribute of God. It is his essence. There's a big difference. Attributes can change. Attributes are based upon experience, but essence is who the person is, who God is. If you were to cut him, if you could cut God, Hesed would come out. It's who he is. And that's why we give thanks to him. And I want to help you understand this here. And so I'm going to do something that's a little bit nerve wracking for me, maybe for you too, but I think it's going to help. I need eight volunteers. So if you can volunteer to come on stage, you don't have to sing or talk or do anything, raise your hand. Okay, one, two, three, okay, four, five, okay, I need two more, six, and seven, and then eight. Come on, eight of you, come on up. Give me a round of applause, come on. Meet Paul right over here. Move fast, move fast, come on, move fast. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Stay right there. Okay, you get to be Jesus. Okay. Don't fall in the pit. See, here's what I think happens with gratitude. I think most of our experiences of gratitude is based upon either what we're experiencing or not experiencing. So even those of you who've given thanks before or practiced gratitude, it has largely been based upon what you had or didn't have. So you thanked God because you had health, and it was hard to thank God because you didn't have health. You thanked God for your family, or it's come up on Thanksgiving, and it's hard to thank God for your family. You're worried about your future, and so you're not giving thanks for it, or your future's really bright, so you are. And the same thing with your career and success and your relationships and your money. And so most of us, when we've practiced gratitude, it has largely been based upon our experience of this. And this is why our gratitude goes through waves. Because we give thanks when these things are going well, and we don't give thanks when those things are not going well. And as I say right here, we tend to gaze at those problems and then just give a head nod to God. And so most of our experience of gratitude is not based on the steadfast love and goodness of God. It's based upon our rolling experience with all these things. So we give thanks and go, thank you, God, for how much money I have, or thank you, God, for my relationships, or thank you, God, for the success I have, or thank you, God, for my family, or thank you, God, for my health. We, we thank God for those things, 
And we go, okay, thank, thank you, Jesus, for those things. But, but we're thanking Jesus for those things while focused on those things. And what would happen, though, I wonder, next slide, if we focused on God? I wonder if it would change our experience of gratitude. Because instead of focusing on these things when we give thanks, I wonder what would happen if we came over here. Turn a little bit for me. I wonder if we had this kind of experience of gratitude. Where instead of focusing on all the things God had given us, we actually focused on God. And we said, God, thank you so much for the fact that I woke up this morning. Thank you, God, for bringing me out of the past and the family that I grew up in. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. You are the only person in the world who actually unconditionally loves me. Thank you for forgiving that really stupid moment in the past that I know everybody else can't forget, but you never hang over my head. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing the real me and for giving me a place where I don't have to put a filter on or a fake face on or put on a show. Thank you for allowing me to come to you and just be me. Thank you for dying for me when I wasn't even looking for you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a future. Thank you for opening up possibilities that I couldn't even have imagined. Thank you, God, for the fact that I'm in some place warm and I have food to eat and I have a roof over my head and I have somebody sitting next to me who's okay with sitting next to me. And thank you for allowing me to be part of your family because the family I came out of, they didn't want me, God, but I know that you want me. Thank you, Jesus. How much would that change our experience if we gazed at Jesus. And you know, this week what was happening for me is I was, I was thinking about this and I was writing this and a song came to mind for me that I grew up singing as a kid. And it goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're singing again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Thank you, guys. You guys come to, I'll take a seat. Paul, take your uh, cards over there. Huge difference. Huge difference that our gratitude is based upon the goodness and love of God, not our circumstances. And thanks for permitting your pastor to sing off key. I appreciate that too. (laughs) Third fundamental of biblical gratitude is that Jesus empowers us as we practice gratitude. Jesus empowers us as we practice gratitude. There's some of you right now, okay, Scott, fun illustration. You know, I, I, I can sing better than you. I'm sure you can. But the truth is, some of us don't feel like we have the power and strength to be grateful. We feel exhausted. 
And you go, Scott, I don't even feel like I can get through this circumstance, much less give thanks. And what the scriptures tell us is that what God calls us to do, he also empowers us to do. And it's not our strength, it's his. So in Colossians 3, the apostle Paul says, and whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. How? Through him. Not through yourself, not through your own strength, but through him. Do everything in all circumstances. Give thanks to him through him. If you're a follower of Jesus today, what we believe, what the the Bible teaches is that all of us who are followers of Jesus have his power within us. Romans 8 says, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. If he does, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So when you go, Jesus, I want to give thanks, but I don't feel like I have the power to do so. He's like, oh, that's fine. I don't really need any of your power anyway. I've got plenty of my own. And just the desire to give thanks is enough. And he meets you in it. So that was my experience 10 years ago, working at Starbucks. I took a picture of my apron. We still keep it in the house to put on when we, you know, cook with. And you know what this, this isn't a a reminder of me, for me, whenever I see this, that God's power is greater than I can imagine. Because there are so many days when I felt like I was living in this apron And I wanted to give up. This day didn't seem possible on those days. And I'm not here today because I'm so strong and I'm so gritty and I have so much perseverance and I have so much faith. I'm here today because of his power and his strength. And if you're saying, Scott, I don't feel like I have the power and strength to make it through another day or even be grateful, guess what? Even that confession is the beginning of God's power. Because when you are weak, he is most strong. When you're the most insufficient, his sufficiency is the easiest to see. Fourth and final fundamental for you today is that prayer is incomplete without gratitude. Prayer is incomplete without gratitude. In Philippians, where Paul talks the most of any of his writings about gratitude in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You can go, awesome, Paul, it's good for you to say, don't be anxious. You know, you must not have anxiety. You must not be on Paxil. You must not have a psychologist that you go to. You must have a really good life. No, none of that. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote these words? He was in prison. It's a place that tends to generate some anxiety. And from prison, that he wasn't sure he was going to get out of, that he thought was going to end in his death, he says these words. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Can you come back up here real quick? Give a round of applause for our Jesus holder today. (laughs) 
There's some of you that you have been complaining to everybody else about what's not going right in your life. You've been telling everybody else about what's not happening. And you need to start telling him. Pouring out your heart to him. Jesus, I hate this. What the heck were you thinking? This is not where I thought I would be. This doesn't feel like I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. This feels like I'm not prospering and I'm being harmed. Jesus, I'm so tired of this anxiety. I'm so tired of this depression. I'm so tired of this discouragement. I'm so tired of living paycheck to paycheck, feeling lonely and isolated. You need to tell him all those things. And thank you, Jesus, that you haven't abandoned me and that I can pour out my heart to you. See, prayer is incomplete without gratitude. He says, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Make your request be known to God. And friends, gratitude makes the biggest difference in the darkness. When you can give thanks when things aren't going well, when you can give thanks when things aren't the way you want them to be, when you can give thanks even when you're pouring out your heart and your soul to Jesus about your struggle and your pain, and you can still thank him, not for those things, but who he's been to you and that you can run to him, that's what the world notices. You might have a seat. Because they expect us to talk to Jesus and talk about Jesus when everything's up and to the right. They expect us to thank Jesus at the end of the best year ever. But if you're in the middle of the worst year ever and you're still exercising your gratitude muscle. If like Job, you can say, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of Jesus. That doesn't make you look good. It makes Jesus look good. And gratitude doesn't change your circumstances. What it does is it changes your perspective on your circumstances. And if you go, okay, how do I start? You're at the right spot. So let's talk about next steps on the back of your handout. Here's the first one. Change your view of gratitude. Today, I hope that hundreds of you change your view of gratitude from an emotion you feel to a muscle you exercise. And go, I'm no longer going to give thanks because I feel like it. I'm going to practice gratitude even when I don't. You've seen it from the Bible. Let's see it again from a neuroscientist. One of the scientists I read this week, he said, the more you practice gratitude, you give your brain, the more practice you give your brain at feeling and expressing gratitude, the more it adapts to this mindset. You could even think of your brain as having a sort of gratitude muscle that can be exercised and strengthened. The more of an effort you make to feed gratitude one day, the more the feeling will come to you spontaneously in your future. So when you practice gratitude, even when you don't feel like it, it's like going to the gym. You're strengthening that muscle when you don't need it, so it's there when you do. Change your view. Change your view. Number two, begin a gratitude experiment. We're going to start small, because it's the same thing. If you go to the gym and you max out your very first day back, your second day, you're not coming back to the gym. You're going to your doctor or the chiropractor. So we're going to start small and we're going to start today 
on November the 10th. And for the next 21 days through the end of the month, I want to challenge you to embrace a gratitude practice, an experiment of sorts. And here's what it's going to be. I want you to find some paper or a journal or a notebook. At the top of the sheet, I want you to write, God, thank you for, and every day for the next 21 days, I want you to write down three things that you're thankful to God for. Now, it may be some of these things, but you're not just saying thank you for this. You're saying, God, the one who is the source of those things, God, thank you for those things. And if you keep a list together, it'll be helpful. That way you're not thanking God for the same three things every day. Some of you, you go, can I post it on social media? You can if you want to. Just check your heart first. Are you doing that for God? Or are you doing that for your ego? Are you doing it because you want to encourage other people to do it? Or are you doing it so they pat you on the back? But if you do that for 21 days, you'll get 63 things. Now, you may not want to stop at 21 days. Because according to you know, modern lore, that's when you build a habit. It's actually more like 90 days. So you could go all the way until January. You could kind of beat your credit card bills to the punch. You could make sure that you're being grateful all the way till they arrive. But start small. Begin that practice. And then number three, share the gratitude with others. Share the gratitude with others. We started this message with that video. And you know, broke my heart about that video. Which so often, when I've heard words like that, they haven't been over a phone. They've been over a casket. As a pastor, I've been to so many funerals where people have shared such amazing words and the one person who needed to hear it couldn't. We often wait till somebody gets sick or somebody dies to express our gratitude. Here's what I discovered about gratitude. Unexpressed gratitude actually communicates ingratitude. When you feel grateful for somebody and you don't tell them, they don't think that you're grateful and you just had never got around to telling them. What they actually think is you're not grateful for them. I know that because that's how I feel. If I do something and nobody ever tells me, I can't read minds. And so right now, today, what I want you to do is I want you to think about two people who've made an impact on you. Two people who made an impact on you this year maybe in your life, maybe it's like that guy in the video who was his accounting professor, but two people who made an impact on you, two people that God has used to make a very real difference. And today, in the next 12 hours before you go to bed, I want you to text them, call them, or write a letter and invite them out for coffee this week and read them the letter. That's a moment they won't forget. And it's a moment you probably won't either. See, I think that if we celebrated gratitude the way the Bible calls us to, then this wouldn't be our greediest and most indebted Christmas season ever. It would be our most worshipful. It'd be our most God-centered. Because we know what he's done for us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.